And in case you're wondering, um, I feel fine. It doesn't hurt. It's painful for you, I know, to hear this, but um, uh, it just hit me late yesterday uh, on the tail end of a cold. So um, don't worry about me. I've got three cups of water up here. (laughs) In Philippians chapter 1, and this is... uh, where we have taken our theme for our missions conference that begins next week. It says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. That you don't depend upon our feeble, puny voices to give it authority. And so, Lord, will you teach us today? Will you remind us of our great calling and our part in that work that you desire to do in this world? And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, in terms of our partners with Global Missions, we have what we call focus areas. And at this point, there are four of them. Ukraine, Bulgaria, England, and Haiti. And next, next Sunday morning, you'll hear a little bit about how we came to those being our focus areas. They have been our partners. We chose some years back to, rather than Uh, go all over the world uh, and anywhere um, that we would focus and go deeper in those areas. Now, in addition to that, we do have others that we support, that we have a connection with, and we have partners, therefore, others in uh, Turkey, Spain, uh, Africa, and other parts of the world. And that is how we function in global missions. Today, we're going to look at two views of partnering. We're going to look from our side and the biblical framework for what's the idea of partnership. And then we're going to look from the missionary side. And I I want to make it very simple. It's going to be one, two, three. We have one calling two ways to obey that calling and three ways to partner. So if you will follow with me, the one calling I think is uh, maybe the most obvious and we have used uh, Acts 1.8 and Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. We've used those as themes of mission conferences. Acts 1.8 says this, you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now that combined with Matthew 28, those are what we could call the the Great Commission. I've used a different term today, and that is our calling. And I deliberately did that. I want us to, to notice that Yes, we are, we are commissioned to do that, to go out and to make disciples. But obedience to this command is not just an option. He says, and he, he's talking to his people, to the early church. You will be my witnesses. You will be. Now, here's the only question. Will we be good witnesses or bad witnesses? We will be witnesses. And in that, he talks about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. We have for some time been in the book of Acts. And we have called it the empowered church. Because it is an account of the acts of the Holy Spirit and what He did. And that is what empowers us in this calling. It's a statement of fact. It's our individual responsibility to fulfill that command with opportunities that God gives to us. And we, therefore, must obey it in some way. One calling to go and make disciples. How do we obey it? Well, there are two ways to obey God's global calling. One way is to go. Now, going includes going next door. It includes going across the street to crossroads. It includes going to your work and all of the things we do here in our country. That's a part of it. But there's another part of going. And that is going globally. And we cannot say we are being fully obedient to that calling and that command if all we do is go locally. That's a part of it. But that's only a part of God's heart. He has a heart for this entire world. And he has given us in this church and we Christians in America, incredible, amazing resources. So that we have a greater responsibility to go farther than next door and across the street. But also to go globally. And so it means literally going. I told you on my first Sunday here that I would pray that God would call people from this congregation to go globally. And we have people who have gone Globally, Our missions team prays for that. 
from our church. We have the Goodwins in Germany, the Wileys in China, the Parks in Turkey. Those are results of, of prayer that God would send out His people. And listen, don't, don't forget that as we're praying that, we also have Adam Williams who from this congregation is in full-time ministry. God has called him to go as well. God is answering that prayer. That is one aspect. And some of you should go. I'm not going to tell you who's on my list to go. No. The fact is, those who go are the very kind you want to keep. Thank you. Because they're the ones listening to God. They're the ones in tune with what God has called them to do. And so some of you, yes, he, he's calling you. I have no doubt of that. I don't know exactly who that is, but it's true. So you can go and be obedient. But there's another way that we can be obedient if God does not call us to go. Now, if God calls you to go, there's only one way to be obedient. You've got to go. And it won't be a burden. It won't be dragging your feet. It will be going because you know that's where God wants you to be. But the other way you can be obedient to that one calling is to partner. In Philippians 1, beginning with verse 4, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now that word partnership there comes from the word koinonia. And the only reason I say that, that Greek word is because you might recognize it. Uh, K groups, koinonia groups. It's, you know, it's a term that we have taken from the Greek and it's a, a, a term that means fellowship. In this case, partnership. And it's not just fellowship, everybody getting into a group and, and holding hands and singing kumbaya with our backs to the world. But it goes beyond that, this, this partnership. It's focused outwardly on others who need to be brought into that fellowship with God and with his, his people. And so, if we neither go nor partner, we are disobeying our one calling. So you might be saying, well, I, I don't feel called to go at this point in my life. So what does it mean then to partner? What, what, is, what is my role then? How can I partner? Well, there's three ways to partner. One calling. Two ways to obey. Three ways to partner. And that's to go short term, to pray, and to invest. Going short term, 
from our church, we take numerous trips to our focus areas and other areas. That's going to be highlighted uh, in the middle of our mission conference on Wednesday night. You'll hear of opportunities this year, and there are future trips in future years. If this is not the year for you, I will simply say that if you go, and those of you that have gone on some kind of a short-term trip, if you've ever gone on any short-term trip, raise your hand anywhere. Anywhere on a, okay, we've got dozens and dozens of people who have done that from our church. And some of you have been numerous times. I will simply say this. You cannot go without it changing your life. You can't go without it making some change, a positive change in your life. You will see God work in ways that you hadn't seen before. It's an opportunity. And what a privilege we have, again, because of resources he has given us in our church and here in our country. We have opportunity to go. And and the goal for all of our trips, it's not just a glorified vacation. It is going where we can be useful, where we can be an encouragement, where we can share Christ, where we can teach, where we can help in some way. We don't want to just go for our benefit, though the reality is many times we are the great benefactors from those trips. So going short term is one option. I would encourage you to pray about that. I don't care how old or how young you are. When I left the the church in Atlanta, on that same Sunday, we prayed for a, a lady in the church that was going on her first her first mission trip, and it was she was going to be on the Amazon, and you know it wasn't this wasn't uh, you know an easy trip, and she was in her eighties. I had buried her husband. She was in her 80s going on her first trip. She's been on other trips since then. So pray as to whether God may call you in that. Secondly, we go short term. Secondly, pray. Philippians 1.19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Never, never, never underestimate the importance of prayer for those who are on the field. I fear we underestimate it regularly. Do not do that. It is essential. Prayer is part of the warfare of the kingdom. It is something we can do here and be obedient as a partner. Now, the third area is to invest, to give. Uh, It says in Philippians 4.15, Paul, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. There it's talking about um, he sees them as a partner. He sees any work that he does, those that were financially helping him, 
had a very real part in that. It is to their credit, to their increase when they invested in his work. And we have that opportunity. And that's all I'm going to say about that because next week, uh, Reverend Dan Ratchford, who has been on staff at our church here and is the pastor of Chapin Presbyterian, is going to come and talk to us more about that. Now, that's the one side. That's the framework of uh, partnership. But what about from the missionary side? I have a a daughter and son-in-law and grandson who have been on the field, but I'm not qualified to talk about uh, what partnership is. So we need to talk to somebody who is. If you need to get up to where you can see, you can feel free to. This is Sam and Elizabeth Goodwin. For those of you that uh, are, are new here, they come from our congregation, and they are in Germany. Sam and Elizabeth, welcome. Will you um, introduce your family, Sam? All right. First of all, it's great, it's great to see everybody. I, I can't tell you how encouraging it is for me to actually listen to a church service that I understand. The, the pastor, the, the German pastor asked me every Monday how the church service went, and I say, I'm sure it probably went pretty well, but it was in German. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, this is, it's been great for us to be able to sit and listen and watch this whole service. All right, first, I, well, of course, Elizabeth. Hello, Hello. Elizabeth. Good morning. <laughs> and then uh, we'll introduce the, in the order of birth. This would then be Katie. Say hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. <laughs> and then, of course... Sophie? Hi. Hey, Sophie. And, Sophie. And then our newest addition would be little Molly. Hi. Hey. Hi. Yeah, she's, she's thrilled to meet you all, I'm sure, if you were to yeah. ask her in the years from now. It's okay. I'm, I'm used to that look from the congregation. So. <laughs> well, Sam, um, is there somebody else there with you also? Yep. Yes, there is. Hold on. And my mother-in-law, Lizzie's mom, is Sarah, and she is whoop, she's visiting us. Hello, everybody. Great to see you, and I don't get church services like this either, so it's wonderful to hear it. Yes, absolutely. Good to see you, Sarah. Now, Sam, I, I know that you are, um, you'll do almost anything for a good story, and uh, would, would you... Um, would you share uh, just briefly about uh, uh, the unique birth that you all just experienced? Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, let me see. We'll, we'll kind of go at this briefly. Um, uh, the girls, you can go girls, by the way. You've heard the story. <laughs> You're free. Oh, thank you. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, we were um, Friday morning, we were planning on, on heading into the hospital. Two weeks ago, Friday morning, we were heading to the hospital, looking to wake up around, oh, what? Six, Seven. Seven-ish. Yeah, we wake up, go in, sign into the hospital around 8.30. Uh, and then somewhere around 9.30 or 10, they were going to induce labor so that sometime during the day, we could have a baby. Well, let's see. You woke up when? I woke up at about quarter after four in the morning with a very, very, very strong contraction. 
And uh, so I figured maybe I wouldn't need to be induced, so that was fine. And eight minutes later, a second one came, also very strong. So I woke Sam, and I said, Sam, I think it's starting. Having strong contractions, why don't you go take a shower? And then we'll just go on and head into the to the hospital. It's about 25 minutes, 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that'll be great. Yep, so I headed over to the shower dutifully. And uh, started, uh, I was, you know, showers on, I'm, you know, lathering up. The only problem is the next contraction that hit didn't stop at that point at all. And some point I realized that I was about to have a baby in the middle of our, well, bedroom without anyone <laughs> there. Yes, yeah, so she was, she, was about, she was about to be a, a, a single mother and um, I was, um, I stepped out of the shower and I heard a hollering. I had been a hollering a while, but it, the buildings here are very, very tight. It wasn't that long of a shower. It was pretty long if you're in you know, labor. Right. So, so I hear her hollering, and I figure something's amiss. And so I, I go racing, and I'm dripping wet, go racing in there, and she's lying there on the bed. And I said, the baby's coming right now. So I said, the only thing that I had heard on, radio, on the television, don't push. <laughs> That's, and that's helpful when yeah. the baby's coming out of you. Well, that's because because you understand, you see, I was still dripping wet, and uh-huh. I figured if you don't push, and I, you know, well, I'm wearing a towel, so so I race back into the bathroom to to dry off and get dressed while she's busy. Uh-huh. And yeah, so while he was gone, let's see, the water broke, and I was trying not to push, trying uh-huh. to be you know submissive wife, uh-huh. and. Um, yeah. So he came back in and I said, um, the baby's coming now, at which point Sam said, and by the way, men, if, you, if you're ever helping your <laughs> wife through labor and don't say this, he said, I don't really know what to do. <laughs> no, I said, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I've got a book, a book, she, a book. I'm pointing to the bookshelf behind me, a book. And so he found a book and about, you know, preparing for having a baby and there was a, a page on what to do if you find yourself suddenly giving birth alone. 12 easy steps to unexpected home birth. <laughs> Which he then read. Step one, <laughs> stay calm. <laughs> Fail. Step two, get, roll, roll your wife onto her back. She said, I'm not moving. <laughs> Fail. Kind of race through the next steps in, in, in uh, rapid succession. Yeah. yeah. At some point it said, call 911. So Sam said, well, what's 911 in German, which is 112. Um, I was really glad I remembered that at that point. So he called 112. And after only eight or nine minutes on the phone with them, getting all the information as to where we lived, right? Um, I kept saying, hang up, hang up, hang up. And it wasn't actually even that graceful. No. So he hung up at about 501, mm-hmm. and at 5.03, the baby was born. Mm-hmm. And Sam caught her. Yeah, and, and people, people tell me how impressed they are with what I've done, and I realize that all I really did was put on a baseball glove. <laughs> it was good. 
So yeah, lay baby, lay baby on on her chest, um, and ten minutes later, the emergency people showed up. You'd have thought I had provided donuts for the town. <laughs> Eight or ten people were standing around in the room. Fire people, emergency people, doctor people. No one was doing anything. The job was done. And so, uh, but anyway, they uh, we uh, got it all taken care of. Got baby off to the hospital, and mommy off to the hospital. And um, so, by, by instead of waking up at at six thirty, seven thirty, we were actually at the hospital with a a new baby by about uh, about, by about seven o'clock. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting, dramatic time. So well, praise the Lord, and yeah, she's absolutely. she's beautiful. <laughs> That applause was for Lizzie, by the way. So, oh, yeah, I, yeah. thank you. I, I could tell. Believe me, <laughs> um, Sam. I think the only thing that could have made that more dramatic is had had you delivered by a C-section. So, uh, <laughs> if I had done that, then I would have I would have uh, somehow gotten the directions wrong. Yes. I, I, yeah. Well, that this wasn't on the, my little table of choices. This this is a great transition and. Uh, let me um, let me let me ask you. You you heard the first part of the message, and will you uh, and either one of you can speak to this? Tell us what it means to you to know that hundreds of people were praying for you and for Molly's birth and for you in your ministry. What does that mean to you all? Go ahead. We we had talked yeah. about it. Well, I, um, because I do speak German, <clears throat> having grown up in Germany as a missionary kid, for those of you who don't know, um, I was able to jump into ministry here a lot faster. And I've been working with the women in the church in Bible study and starting with counseling and discipleship type of things. And uh, I realized very quickly, despite um, training, Bible college training, work in the church, um, teaching Bible studies for years, that um, I was not nearly as well prepared as I would hope I would be. Because um, the women have opened up a lot faster than we anticipated, and they just kind of dump all of their junk, all of their – they open up all the closets and air it out and then say, you know, what should I do? And it's been very overwhelming at times. I've come back from ladies' Bible study, and I just couldn't even sleep at night just because I have six ladies, and they've all given me different situations, none of which I feel like I'm able to handle. And being able to say – you know what, I'm just going to shoot off an email to my ladies, to the concert of prayer ladies that meet on, on the, I guess it's the third Wednesday now of the month. Um, all of these different prayer partners to be able to send it out to our whole email list, to be able to send it out to churches or missions committees and just say, help, you know, we need wisdom. I have no idea what I'm doing here. I don't know how to handle this on my own. And to realize that I'm not on my own, to get all those emails back, we're praying. We've been, you know, we all prayed for you here. We lifted it up before the congregation there. It's, it's remarkable because you realize you're not just a couple here on the field. You are just the voice piece, the mouthpiece of, of hundreds and hundreds of people. And that's, that's very overwhelming in a good way. Mm, good. Well, one of the other uh, ways of partnership that I mentioned is uh, pertaining to to finances, and um, we have a number of our individuals support you, and um, we support you through our faith mission giving. What does it mean to you that people are actually reaching into their wallets? They are looking at their budgets, and they are saying that this is a a priority that 
we want to um, uh, financially partner with the Goodwins. What does that mean to you? Wow. Um, you know, when you work for a regular company, uh, one of the things is you expect to get paid. The company owes you. Uh, to contract you've made with that company and you do work for them that you expect them to reach out of the profits that they make and give you your money. But uh, what we're doing here is it's not like that at all. No one's obligated to sacrifice for us. Uh, no one has to do this. And we're recognizing that um, uh, beyond just a job description, there's a, a great responsibility on our part recognizing that people really are sacrificing and uh, making cutting corners and they're making they're making choices about their income whether it's money they have or money they don't have uh to say i'm going to trust the lord with this and in their trust in the lord they're saying i'm sending this to the work that, that god's doing through the goodwins in germany and and so i part of the the partnering is we recognize that people are sacrificing so that they can be they can partner with us and really be a part of the ministry of reaching uh, reaching the lost here in Germany. It's uh, um, it does a couple things. It it it, it sets us up in a, in a situation where we realize that sometimes we're tempted to just kind of want to be lazy. Um, well, not me, but <laughs> uh, but but there are times, and, and but and yet we recognize. Wait a minute, um, we don't have that luxury. Uh, so, so it is. It 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 weighs heavily on us in, in a in a in a in a way of, of a sense of responsibility and encouragement to know that there are people who are participating with us in that way. Yeah, it's huge. Um, if this is for either of you. What would you just in general pertaining to all this? What what is the most important thing to you in in having partners? You want to try that? To do or do you start? Okay. Um, well, the big thing is that we're that that we're not alone. Uh, there is there's no doubt that being here, uh, far away from family, far away from friends, far away from the things that are familiar, uh, being in a situation where, for me, for instance, uh, I'm I'm reduced largely to a kindergartner uh, at best in terms of my language skills, uh, it, and so here I am all alone. And knowing that I have partners is, uh, and that I, therefore I'm not alone is e- enormously encouraging. Uh, knowing that I have people praying for us. Uh, the stress, one of the great stresses on the field, to be sure, is finances. Uh, and there are so many stressors that knowing that our finances are in shape is just a huge weight that's lifted off. That we have prayer partners, that there are people participating, a huge weight lifted off knowing that these things are, are being taken before the Lord on our behalf. So uh, for me, it's, it's a constant encouragement knowing that we have partners. Yeah. I think definitely that. Um, in addition, I think it takes some of the weight of the responsibility of or the question of should we really be here? Am I doing the right thing? Is this what we should be doing? There's so much confirmation in that. And there are mission agencies that are fully endowed where um, missionaries don't have to raise support. And on the one hand, you wish you were in that kind of an agency so you didn't have to go through all of that. But then the MTW's philosophy on that is that that's kind of the completion of your external call. That's kind of the if the, the people of God are standing with you. The church is standing with you. 
Um, and that is enormous for us here on the field because we know that many individuals, we have something like 120 different um, individuals or families that support us in addition to our 19 supporting churches. So we have quite a crowd behind us. And that is, that is an encouraging kind of thing for us to just say, you know what, we're in the right place. We're doing the right thing. Okay, wonderful. And finally, uh, tell us how we can uh, pray for you and partner with you in that way right now. <laughs> well, um, since you had let us know that was going to be one of the, uh, one of the statements, I, I've, I've written down a couple of, of items. One is um, prayer request is that we're hoping to be able to come home for a visit in the, at the end of the summer. Um, the, the girls have uh, about a month and a half of, that's their summer vacation, starts in August and goes through part of September. And so, uh, Lord willing, uh, we'd, we'd love to be able to do that. So we'd uh, ask you all to pray that those things will be possible. Um, another one is, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, being overwhelmed with people who have come to, to ask questions of us, really prayer for wisdom regarding people who have come to ask us for marital and personal counseling. Uh, one lady said that uh, we are the only Christians that she knows. Uh, she lives on the other side of Munich, and she comes she comes all the way across Munich to attend church. But, um, I mean, there she is. She's, we are the only ones. Um, man, I spoke to a man not too long ago who told me, uh, he's an elder, uh, a middle-aged gentleman who said that he was in his late 20s before he'd ever met anybody that he remembers ever meeting that actually prayed and expected someone to answer. Uh, everybody prays, but not to anybody. And so uh, the whole idea of a Christian church here is really foreign to many, many people. Um, also, uh, prayer, prayer for language learning. You know, um, I've discovered I'm a heretic in German. <laughs> um, I, uh, the pastor was asking me not too long ago uh, how, my, how I was doing in language school, and this is all taking place in German, and I said, it's going okay. And he said to me, Erst aufverstanden, aufverstanden. And I thought, verstanden, verstanden. Understanding. How was my understanding? And my response was, no, no, not so good. No, not really. Well, it was dead silence in the car. And uh, a couple seconds later, um, he said, I said, he is risen. <laughs> Which point I realized I just denied the resurrection. <laughs> And I thought, oh, no, people are supporting me. Uh, so uh, certainly, yeah, uh, language learning on my part and, um, and the girls for their language learning as well. They're, they're, making, they're progressing irritatingly fast for my way of thinking. But uh, they still, you know, every day they've got to be in school. So their language learning is important. And, uh, and of course, uh, relationship building. Um, the uh, evangelism and the gospel really is not communicated apart from relationships. And so uh, cold calling, isn't the, it doesn't work. You've got to develop relationships with people. And you've got to spend time with people. And you've got to love people. And, uh, and it's got to be done in right now, really, in another language. And so, um, um, so relationship learning as well is, is I'm sure, relationship building, I'm sorry, as well, is a really big one for us. Okay, wonderful. Well, you know, in, in Philippians 4, it says, in terms of partnership, it says... Uh, uh, that it entails an act of worship, that it's a fragrant offering, 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Uh, if you'll just leave their, um, them up while we pray for them, and then you can disappear them after that. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> is, is that a good thing? <laughs> let, let, me, let me just, uh, as before they disappear you and before we pray, we love you. And uh, we <clears throat> are constantly praying for you all. And uh, please know that. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, how we thank you uh, for this uh, amazing opportunity to talk with uh, somebody live uh, across the world. I know in previous generations this was unknown, unheard of. Thank you that we can partner in a special way that way. And, uh, Lord, we, we do pray for... Uh, Sam and Elizabeth and for those precious girls, thank you for the safe birth uh, that you you uh, were sovereign over in terms of its timing. And Lord, we do pray about the trip home this summer. If, uh, if that's in your plan, will you just pave the way for that, for their ministry here? And um, thank you that they have and continue to... to build relationships and desire to do that. Will you cause that to be the case? And thank you for how quickly so many have opened up their hearts to them, uh, seeing that they are genuine and they genuinely uh, know you and have a, 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 a parent-child connection with you. And for some people, that's just unheard of over there. Uh, will you give them wisdom in their counseling? Help it to always be reflective of what you would say to those people who need you most. And we pray for uh, the girl's language and for Sam's language uh, uh, as they seek to acquire it. Will you um, minimize the mistakes? Will you enable them to uh, begin to speak in the heart language of the people there so that they can truly communicate the gospel? Thank you for the way that uh, you've uniquely equipped Lizzie for this. And Father, I, I don't want to forget the parents. Um, thank you for Mark and, and uh, Georgia Goodwin here in our church and for Sarah and for their uh, understanding of a calling upon Sam and, and Lizzie and for their support of them. And um, we pray uh, that though they miss them deeply, that you would help them to take comfort in knowing that they are right where you want them to be. And that's the greatest comfort of all from a parent's perspective. Thank you for that. Lord, will you just help Sam and Lizzie and the girls to know how much we love them. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye, Sam and Elizabeth. We love you. Goodbye. I love you guys so much.